0: Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that this conversation with Lex was recorded in January of 2020, before COVID-19 and the pandemic really took hold. So you're going to hear some stuff about travel and all that stuff during this episode, which you know I think is is fantastic. So before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that this episode was recorded in January of 2020. And that was before COVID 19 and the pandemic really started to take hold at least in north america so why did i wait this long to release it well first off it was in the queue to be released later in the year and it just so happens that now is the time that it was going to come out but i actually bumped it up a couple of weeks because i wanted to share it with you as one of the sunday episodes rather than just a solo conversation because i think the message that lex is sharing through this discussion and i think it's something that we all need to keep in mind as we go through this age of uncertainty more uncertain maybe than any of us have experienced before with the idea that life is an adventure and an amazing one at that so i hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast my conversation with lex latkovsky so let's get started I'd like to welcome Lex Litkovsky, and I think I got that right this time, Lex, here on the Productivityist podcast. I don't normally, I mean, I say Productivityist and it's a tongue twister, so you've finally given me one as well. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I i i tell people to say it Litkovsky, but uh, you know, I can't expect everybody to be able to pronounce it like I have for... All these
0: years well we were just talking about the word productivityist, and it's like people say a productivity productiv-, like so i i totally understand where you're coming <laughs> from worries. No worries. so uh let's let's get into um let's get into why i've had you on the show today we had a great conversation uh, several months ago like we're talking you know almost, I'd say by the time that we're airing this close to a year of just focusing on like, you know, we came across each other, pass through, through Andy Traub mutual friend. And, um, you know, you've, you, you and I have crossed paths, you know, not directly up until that point, but through the same circles of like the Jeff Goins at tribe conference, Uh, tell my audience a little bit about who you are and, uh, your book, you've got, you've got the book that I want to touch on today, which of course is passport forward moving from regrets and routine to freedom, passion and adventure. But l- let's share a little bit with my, with my audience here about who you are and, and what, what your, what drives you?
1: Well, thank you, Mike. Um, first of all, I'm a huge fan of Andy Traub. Uh, I met him through Jeff Goins and, uh, I'm a big fan of Jeff Goins, a good friend of his. And, um, so, and, and you and I have actually been in the same room together at the Tribe Conference, Jeff Goins' yep. Tribe Conference before. I don't. We didn't have the pleasure of meeting face-to-face, but hopefully we'll fix that soon. So I'm, uh, I live in Louisville, Kentucky right now. I've been to 82 countries in the world, and um, I think I've mentioned this to you before. I spent 16 months living as a Zen monk in a monastery down in Southern California up in the mountains above Palm Springs, and I was fortunate enough to be on uh, Make a... Make it to the semifinals round on America's Got Talent, and all these, you know, these things that I can say I've done. But the what I like doing. Someone asked me the other day what really makes me happy, and it's like I like entertaining people. I like making people laugh, and I like helping people and being nice to people. So, um, if you ask me all the things I've done, I've done some cool stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm a nice guy. I like to help people, and I like I like to make people laugh, and 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 hopefully inspire them to go out and do something fun with their life
0: so let's talk about the the zen monastery component the idea of like one of the things that that comes up there is like that that just seems challenging at best and almost um i wouldn't say uh uh, well arduous i think would be arduous like how were you able to like first off what led you to do that and secondly like what were, the, what were the, um, the things that kind of kept you going over that period of time? Because it's not something any, just anybody can do.
1: That's a very good question. I actually touch on that in, in my book. Uh, when I went to the Zen Center, I found out about Zen uh, through a friend who had actually gone to a seven-day silent retreat. Um, he, I, I was living in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. He was a very good friend of mine named Patrick. And Patrick went to his in, the, the the seven day silent retreat over there, at the place that I ended up moving to. And he came back and he said, hey, Lex, I found I found what you've been looking for, even though I really had never told him what I was looking for. But um, I don't you know, I don't know how anybody knows what I'm really looking for. But he said, I found what you're looking for. And he, he told me all about it. And I was like, how did I not even know this was on the, the menu of available options in life? And so, you know, I was born and raised Catholic. I'm. You know, not specifically religious anymore, but I'm spiritual. And he found something, and so he enjoyed it so much, and he was so excited about it that I went with him a couple months later and did a seven-day silent retreat. And it was like the it was uh, it was like something I had never even known was on the menu of options in life. All of a sudden, someone brought me a new menu and said, "Here, you've been eating oatmeal. I've got you know whatever your ideal thing is, whether it's steak or shrimp or." Or kale. I've got a big plate of this sitting over here for you that you can enjoy. And so I got hooked and started going for a silent retreat every couple of months. And then eventually I just said, I'm tired of doing it week by week. I want to go dig, dig into it deeper. So I called up a the Zen master and I said, I, I want to, I want to go do this for a year. And he said, come on
0: and you just went, wow. Yeah. Well, it's- I,
1: <laughs> I didn't just, I didn't just go because I had a house. I had a, I had vehicles. I had, I had actually at that time I had four houses, um, uh, that I, I was investing in real estate in Phoenix. Um, and I, I had a girlfriend, I had a, a couple of vehicles, I had a, a job, all kinds of stuff. So it took me about six months to unravel everything in the right way so that I could free myself up enough to go and sit on a cushion for six hours
0: a day. What happened during that process? Like when you were there, what were some of the things that, that, you know, um, helped you maybe even change your perspective or just came to the fore as you were, as you were going through this?
1: Well, one of the, one of the best things was that, um, I started to go to bed earlier. I'm, you and I've talked about this, Mike, I'm Mm -hmm. a night owl and I can, if I go to bed before midnight, it feels like I'm giving up. So, um, I started to go to bed around nine o'clock and getting up around four thirty or five o'clock for the first time in my life. And I loved it. So I, I kind of got, gained an appreciation for that. Um, but what I, what I learned over the course of the time wasn't so much what I added to my knowledge was what I allowed to fall away or disappear from my knowledge and my programming. And so I grew up in a very, I'm, I'm sure some of these people that are listening can, Can relate to this. I grew up in a very enmeshed family a very loving and supportive and and great family But it was always meddling and asking. Are you okay? What was that noise? What's going on? Are you sure? Are you sure? And so I had all this noise going all the time and when I went to the Zen Center and we were quiet for most of the time It was like the first time where I actually had My own space and my own and my own room to do what I needed to do and so by being quiet for a while a lot of the thoughts and feelings and emotions and habits that I had created um, over the course of 30 years or whatever it was started to drop away because I wasn't feeding that, you know,
0: I wasn't feeding that animal anymore. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at one slash Productive Convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it. And that's why I plan to eat The coupon will be automatically applied to your account. It can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers. Only give plan to eat a try today. Let's talk about keeping going, you know, like, uh, you know, moving forward. The book's called passport forward, moving from regrets and routine to freedom, passion, and adventure. Before we jumped on the call, we talked a little bit about routine. Now, Some people might, you know, that listen to this program, I go, no, but routines are essential. But that's not really what you're talking about here. Like, you know, we're not talking about morning, evening routines you talked about before we jumped on the idea of habit building and the don't break the chain ritual, which is kind of like a routine. But that's not what you're alluding to here, are you?
1: No. uh, What I wanted to do was I wanted to, instead of adding things to my list of, of tricks, I wanted to get I wanted to pull stuff out of my bag of tricks so that I could find out who I really was to let go of the facade and all this stuff. And so by the process of that, I learned more about who I am at my core. Um, what you asked earlier and I didn't finish my thought, but the one of the things that I got was compassion. I I became much more patient with people. I I have a much deeper heart now and I can, uh, I'm a terrible multitasker, but I get a lot of stuff done. So I do one thing at a time very well. And then I move on to the next thing. And if, you know, if I'm, if I'm talking to my girlfriend, I talk to my girlfriend. If I'm not talking to my girlfriend, looking at my phone and doing other stuff because one of those is going to suffer. And so the uh, the routine at the Zen Center is, is etched. It's etched in stone. It's you got you got uh, you wake up at this time. There's uh, the bell goes off at this time. You're sitting for 30 minutes. You get up and walk for 10 minutes. You sit for 30 minutes, walk for 10 minutes. Then you have breakfast. Then you work and blah, blah, blah. The schedule doesn't move. So, but inside of that rigid schedule, there's all types of freedom because you're not worrying about what to do and where, where you're supposed to be. You're just, you, you do what you're supposed to do and you find space and time in there to get other things done. And so, you know, you're an extremely prolific guy, Mike, you, you get more stuff done. You make me tired reading all your emails <laughs> just because of all these things that are coming in. I don't know how you do it. And I sometimes feel like a slacker because I only do one thing and I do it really well and then I move on to the next project. But um, I have lots of help.
0: I have lots of help. That's I think that's the key too. I think a lot of people when they when they're talking about productivity and and time and and getting things done, um, the optics are wow, you know, you get a lot of stuff done. But I have help, I think is really important, actually, and that's, that's, that's a nice shift, like, who's helped you along the way during this process, because you made some pretty big changes, you must have had some people that kind of fell by the wayside, but then you've got to have people that kind of stuck by you and said, Oh, this is great. Let me support you in this.
1: Oh, yeah, I've got, you know, I, I don't have any enemies that I'm aware of. And I've, I'm generally nice to people, so people help me. But, you know, I'm I'm not a control freak at all. I'm willing to let people help me. <laughs> Excuse me. But like you and I were talking before we started today, I like to see how the sausage is made at least once. So, you know, I before I hire a plumber, I'm going to figure out how to fix this. Or b- before I hire an electrician and I can do pretty much anything in a house, I like to at least know how to do it before I say, okay. I'm going to let somebody else do it. So once I do something, I can delegate it. I don't always do that because I usually move on to an unrelated project mm. and learn that. So um, I, I, that's one of the things that I need to do for 2020 is to accept help or, or, or hire help. It's not a matter of money; it's just a matter of you know. I can't even imagine what I could, how much stuff I could get done if I had somebody helping me. So let's let's talk.
0: Let's talk about indirect help. Um, what? I mean, one of the things that we touched on in our earlier conversation that when we had off the record as well as just before we jumped on was, you know, when you're when you're when you're dealing with people, uh, especially people who may not necessarily either understand what you're doing, they, you know, they're, they're they've kind of got their way of doing things and they don't quite get you or they they're they're the naysayers. Right. They're the people that are that, you know. Um, for some reason or another, are going to give you a hard time about something. Um, how do you deal with that? Like with that idea of, of those peers that you have and the pressure that they can present to you.
1: Well, that's there was actually a chapter in the book that I, that didn't make it to the final ver uh, this this final version that came out, but it's going to be in the next book. And it's all it's all around surrounding myself with people that are positive and um, supportive, and getting rid of the people that I don't have to really. I can't avoid everybody that's not right in my life because, you know, some of them are, are related by marriage or something that I can't choose. But for the most part, I don't let anybody in my in my life that's not, not a nice person, that's not honest, that doesn't do good things and that's not uh, – d- doesn't leave me better off than they found me and, and vice versa. And so the, what I talked about in this chapter was surrounding yourself with people, not to always say, oh, Lex, you're Superman. You can jump off this building or, hey, you can – You can do it. Go do anything you want. Here's a trophy. I don't want those people. I want real people that will say, hey, here's an idea. You know, instead of thinking about this, what about that? And uh, I don't I don't cast my my pearls in front of swine because they were the first people to tell me why I won't work. So um, I'm looking for honest and authentic feedback. But I know who not to talk to, because every time it's a you know, it's just a it's a sandwich of stuff you don't want to eat. And it's, it's just the the constant uh, barrage of negativity, criticism, oh, you don't want to do that. So I I know who they are. I can name you 10 of them who I don't even bounce things off of anymore because they're going to immediately poo-poo it. But I like people that are, that are either neutral or positive and can point out what may or may not work, but not being in a, um, you know, in a negative light. So um, I have a very, you know, uh, Andy Traub, for example, he's brilliant. He, He'll he'll shoot straight, and so will Jeff Goins. They're very direct, very uh, very intuitive, and they will also tell me that's a bad idea. And I'm like, okay, cool, thanks. But you know, they're not mean about it. You yeah, know, they're not trying to be mean. Whereas some of the people in my life, they've been mean, and I, I'm not going to go there anymore.
0: When well, you need those people too, um, do you find that um, that kind of pressure can be a catalyst though, like from peers and from people say, hey, you can't do that. You're like, hey, I'll do it. I'll show you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that. I went to Vanderbilt University in Tennessee simply because a guy named Steve at my at my AP physics table senior year in high school, uh, we were comparing the colleges we were going to go to, and he pulled out this sheet of paper and started comparing them on campus and women and academics and athletics and blah blah blah. And, he, and I'm like, whatever, dude. And he said, doesn't matter. You couldn't get into Vanderbilt anyway. So I, after class, I ran up to the, comp, uh, the career center and got an application. And filled it out, and I ended up going to Vanderbilt just because Steve said I couldn't go there.
0: When you were putting so, uh, the, when you were putting the book together, what was the was 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 it like reliving the whole thing? I know when I've written books, it's like reliving because the the kind of the the process or the journey. What was that like for you? If if that was what happened, what was that like for you as you went through it? Because it's it's almost like you you get to do it all over again.
1: Yeah, that's. A lot of that stuff is when I read it, I know I I have the same feeling that I was um, when I was up on top of a mountain in India or, or, you know, on a motorcycle in Laos when I was driving for 17 days. And those those memories are like, you know, they're deep, deep inside of me that the book is about a lot of my personal experiences. It's not something it's not there's no fiction and it all happened. And. Um, Actually, I just found out today that I'm going to be speaking here in front of 350 people in April, uh, which is a month after this is scheduled to come out. So when this comes out a month before that, I will have spoken in Louisville for 350 people talking about travel uh, for the the newspaper here. And it's um, they want me to pick one story. And they already told me because they've got my book. They said, I want I want you to talk about one of these three stories. And I'm like, that's cool. And they say, can you do that? And I said, yeah, I'll talk to you all, all day long about that because I was there. It was it was fantastic. And so they're uh, they're vivid, vivid memories. You know, they're, they're not just, hey, I woke up and I had coffee and I went down and, you know, did something, something really amazing happened. So writing the book was like reliving it. And, uh, you know, I went back and looked at my photos to get more ideas and to get some more color and detail about what I was writing about. And. Uh, You know, I had had blogged about a lot of this stuff when I was traveling so I could keep my family and friends updated with, you know, thelexpedition.com. That was my travel blog. So Mm -hmm. I ended up going back and looking at a bunch of stuff about that. But yeah, it was really, it was writing the book was a pain in the butt. Uh, As you know, writing books for anybody that's ever done one, it's a, it's a marathon and there were highlights, you know, high times and low times, but uh, oh my gosh, it was, it was, you know, writing, it was like reliving it. So.
0: What when you're reading, uh, when you're writing a book, rather, or even just reading in general, who are some of the authors that you read that, you know, kind of hit you in the right, hit you in the right spot, and want to propel you to keep moving forward in the right direction? Because I know, I mean, it to to keep that direction going can be a challenge, and often looking outward to again those peers that are, or those people that are kind of, um, you know that you want to espouse some of the qualities that, that, that they have. Who are some of the, the writers that you follow and the people, the books that you read that are kind of like, you know what, this, this is, this is exactly that they're hitting all the right notes with me.
1: Well, that's a good question. I, I only read three types of books, uh, in my life. I read either, um, uh, some ways to make money, which are business books. I read stuff about spirituality and Zen or meditation, and I read something that's going to help me, uh, improve my life and make me more efficient. And I know that's a broad statement, but one of my all-time favorite books, and I've given out a whole bunch of them as gifts is the, you know, the guy that did uh, Dilbert, Scott Adams.
0: Oh yes. Um, the fail, what's it called again? The, the, the fail book. I can't remember the name of it. You know it, T- say it. <laughs> it's,
1: it's got a, it's got a picture of a shoe on the front. It's how to fail at almost anything, how to fail at almost everything and still win big. Right. And I've, I've got the book here in my hand. i uh, it, I've got more stuff high, not highlighted, but underlined and and pages you know dog-eared uh, than I've ever had in any book. And it was it, the reason it would it was this way was because it was just so it was useful information that I could put to use uh, right away. And it wasn't theory; it was all just like try this. And you know he talks about you know because I'm a kind of a shy guy. You know I I, I don't mind getting up on stages and. But I like I like my space. And he said, you know, just imagine if you imagine the guy that or the person that can go into any room and seem to light it up. Just go in there and act like that person. Don't you don't have to be that person. Just act like you're that person's coming through you. Yep. And I tried it for a while and I tried to act like my buddy, Danny, who's a great salesperson. And he can walk in any room and strike up a conversation with anybody. And I just acted like Danny. And it worked. It was like, all right, I'll tr- I'll try this, you know. So. Um, that was one of the things that I immediately started doing because of that book. Um, and then I, I read, uh, one of my favorite all time books is the 80, 20 principle by, uh, cook mm-hmm. or Koch K O C H. I don't know how you pronounce it. Yep. And you know, I, I love travel books. I've got uh, vagabonding by Ralph Potts or yep. Rolf Potts. And, uh, there was a book that I read, uh, somebody at the Zen center gave me one called the places in between about a person that had walked all the way across, uh, afghanistan after the uh, 9-11 attacks and uh it was a british guy and he walked all the way across afghanistan and the whole time i was reading it, i was just like this guy's crazy and uh so I, I i like i don't read any nonfiction. uh or any fiction or any I'm, fiction I'm sorry, you mean i don't read any fiction and yeah. i don't read any poetry because my brain i'm a math i was a math major and my brain just doesn't do well unless it's pretty pretty straightforward which is If you read my book uh, or any of my writing, it's all straightforward. I don't use flowery terms or try to impress you with vocabulary. I just speak and write and read very authentically.
0: So when it comes to the book and you're looking at the moving from regrets and routine to freedom, passion and adventure, and somebody wants to do that, let's say other than pick up the book, which they should, and we're going to link to it in the show notes, obviously. um, What's one thing that you did that, uh, we'll I'll ask you two, two things. First part is what was, what's the simplest thing somebody could do to get started with that? And then secondly, what was the thing that you did that was unexpectedly more beneficial than you could have imagined it would have been?
1: All right. So let's start with the first one. Cause I don't know if I'm, I had a couple cups of coffee or I don't know if I'll be able to remember the second part. Let's I'll, start ca- I'll come back. I'll
0: come back to it if you need to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, So the first one was, you know, what would be my recommendation for someone who wants to do something like this?
0: Yeah. The simplest thing that they can just get started. The first simple step.
1: The first simple step is the, um, for me, this is what I do Mm -hmm. is I put something out on a, with a date and I say on such and such a date, I'm going to do whatever. And I'm, and, but I just can't put it and write it on a piece of paper or put it on my Google calendar and then. Uh, walk away and expect that f- five months from now I'm gonna be in you know Indonesia. So what I do is I, in, in some cases I bought a ticket six months from now and say I'm gonna be in India. And then it's pretty much I'm gonna be in India because I bought a ticket. But it's, it, 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 my my suggestion is no matter what you wanna do, put a, put a date, draw a line in the sand and then start telling people, pick up the phone or uh, it, it's better not to do it via email or social media, actually have a conversation and tell somebody what you're doing, why you're doing it, they might. Not, you don't need to tell them the the deep reasons, but I'm doing this. This is the date, and uh, I'm you know I'm going to do it and put it out there instead of, you know, keeping it a secret. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm externally motivated because uh, I don't like to let people down and I like to look good. So, which is kind of the same, you know, two sides of the same uh, coin. So, uh, pick a date, pick a project, and then tell people about it, uh, which will keep you from Uh, hopefully making excuses and falling short and if you fail try it again
0: now what about the thing that you did or have done that's yielded results that benefited you that you didn't expect to have as great an impact as 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 it did
1: uh the zen center would probably be you know going to live at a zen center for 16 months uh because that what, what ended up happening to me even after the first month or two changed the way, changed the rest of my life and excuse me, the, the rest of my life and my, and my decisions. I don't expect, excuse me, people to be able to go and do that. But what it did was it allowed me to, that ended up helping me realize that I wanted to sell my properties in Arizona. It helped me uh, get rid of a lot of extra baggage physically in my life and, and emotionally and with relationships. And uh, so that had a, a major impact. The other thing that you and I talked about was I had been working on this friggin' book, you know, Passport Forward, which before it was called Passport Forward, it was called the Lexpedition. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, you know, there's many different iterations until, you know, the current version. And my brother Dominic kept saying, dude, you got to write a book you're amazing, dude, write a book. And I'm like, okay, one of these days, but right now I'm living at a Zen center. I'm traveling around the world and one of these days, one of these days. So finally the one of these days, was was weighing down on me too much. And I said, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to get these books in your hand by Christmas. It was two years ago. And I did a Kickstarter campaign and, and raised $12,000. Uh, not, not, it wasn't charity. $12,000 worth of pre-book orders or whatever mm-hmm. the number was. I'm doing yep. this all the top of my head. $12,000 of advanced book sales and uh, had 200 and something backers. And basically, you know, when the thing, when the thing went, through and they, they sent me the money. I had all this cash, but the, the most important thing was, okay, I can't let these people down. So I finished my book, got it edited, uh, had, bought all the copies, had it shipped to my house and did a signing party and mailed them all or hand delivered them that they were here in town. And then my girlfriend and I got on a plane to go to Machu Picchu. So that was uh, the, the what ended up happening after the, the, the Kickstarter campaign. I didn't expect everything to happen after that, but what, because of the Kickstarter campaign and because I actually finished my book, the book ended up becoming my calling card for doing book signings and presentations. It allowed me to be a published author. It allowed me to then, uh, you know, then do the Kindle version. And the, I'm working on the audio book, which will be out here shortly. And that has moved me from um, one of these days I want to do something and always regretting not doing it to having done it and now I'm, you know, uh, moving on to the next project. So that was the, the unintended consequences there were the doors that were open because of it, but also having completed it and put my hands up in the air and said, I wrote a book, here it is. I've got it in my hand and, uh, my brother Dominic can't complain at me anymore, or complain to me that I haven't, that I'm a slacker. So did Lexa, that answer your question? No, that
0: totally did. That totally did. Um, Lex, what is uh, through this journey? Through you know the changes you've made. I mean, spending that time at the Zen, you know, the Zen monastery. I know you took you took the stage the, at the last Tribe conference that Jeff had. The one I wasn't able to make it to, so that would have been a great opportunity to meet. But we just just couldn't make that happen on my end. Yeah, um, right? What what uh, what are you looking forward to? to? Considering the title of the book is Passport Passport Forward. What are the things that you're looking forward to in the months ahead?
1: Wow. That's a good question. Um, we actually did an exercise here recently with a group. And 2019, unfortunately, I lost my father. My, he was my favorite human being. I lost him in February. My sweet girlfriend lost her dad in September. And my brother-in-law lost his mom in uh, October or whatever it was. So it was 2019 was a year of loss. And I had a whole bunch of projects that I started but not finished. And I envision that I'm like standing out on this Island, you know, called Lex Island or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I've got all these people that want to come hang out with me or, or come support me or love me or, or do whatever. And I've only got one bi- one bridge built, which is the the book and all these other bu- bridges that I started like a course and the audio book and uh, a meditation slash cooking workshop, which I'm going to be doing in Texas here in the next month or so. Uh, these are the types of things that I never finished because of all the things that were going on in my life last year. So what I'm looking forward to this, uh, soon is launching my first online course, which will be a combination of Thinkific and and Zoom calls uh, with a buddy of mine named Henry. Mm-hmm. Locally, I'm going to be doing a, a workshop in Texas, and uh, my audio book will be up before the time this this uh, this podcast comes out. So I'm looking. What I'm looking forward to is. Uh, putting my hands up in the air at least three times in the next four months with other things that I've accomplished that I've been putting off for uh, years and starting and stopping and starting and stopping. So I've told people I'm like, this, I'm not going to take on any more responsibilities or any more projects until I finish these three things because they've been they've been gnawing at me because I've, I've I've got people that are involved in it. It's not just me. There you go. There's there's the answer. The, each of those three. Or have other people besides myself involved and so um, I don't like letting people down so I'm looking forward to completion and I'm looking forward to hopefully nobody in my life hopefully nobody close to me dying for at least a year you know
0: Lex, this has been a great conversation. People can pick up the book, uh, "Passport Forward: Moving from Regrets and Routine to Freedom, Passion, and Adventure." Where can they pick it up, and where can they keep up with your work and see if you know what you're looking forward to the year ahead is is something that they want to uh, you know kind of follow as well.
1: Well, thank you. Um, "Passport Forward" is available on Amazon. It's uh, both the Kindle and the, the the paperback. If you want a signed copy, you can just uh, go to my website. Uh, which also has all the other stuff I was talking about with the speaking engagements and uh, workshops I'll be doing. It's uh, thelexpedition.com. Uh, that's thelexpedition, L-E-X-P-E-D-I-T-I-O-N.com. The Le- it's basically the expedition with yep. an L in front of it. And I mean, I'll mean, show you put it in the, in the show notes. Um, and if, if you want a signed copy, just email me. You can just email me at lex at thelexpedition.com. And I can hook you up. And uh, and then the audio version, the audible version, will be up. Uh, it's up there, hopefully, by the time this comes out. So that'll be up there as well. So I it's narrated with my golden voice. And people tell me I sound like Kevin Costner. So for what that's worth, you'll get a, a double dip. Okay,
0: well, yeah, now, now I'm sitting there. I'm going, yeah, you know, you kind of do. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. Someone um, no
1: told me that once. And if I tell people that. They can't hear my voice without thinking of Kevin Costner and Dancing with Wolves.
0: It's true. Dancing there is there is that there for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Lex, thanks again for joining me today on the Productivity Podcast. It's been a real treat.
1: Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it and uh, look forward to meeting you face-to-face here one of these days shortly.